I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, Dave Hollis here. I am on the porch of John McLaughlin, who is a musician here in Nashville, Tennessee. We're having a fantastic conversation today about the power of music in your journey through life, the pursuit for peace on a patio, a partnership with a guy named Dave in a podcast called Dadville, and the fact that there is a neighbor right down the street named Ben Rector. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome John McLaughlin to the Rise Together podcast. What would the world look like if we all pushed ourselves to have candid conversations with people who didn't look like us, think like us, or live like us? I'm Dave Hollis. And I'm on a mission to learn more about this world by meeting more of the people who live here. You may not always agree with everything you hear, but I guarantee you'll come away more informed on topics you might never have thought to seek out before. This isn't just a podcast, it's a community. And when we raise each other up, we all rise together. John, I want to start with just a recognition that this is a true patio. I mean, I came on a true. mission to see patios. True. This is the first patio I've seen. I was told that it needed to, you know, take place on a patio. Well, I want so. to just acknowledge that you are, of anyone that we have met, an actual rule follower, and I appreciate you for yeah, that. Thanks, look, man. I didn't even want you to see the rest of the house. I did have to go to the bathroom. And <laughs> there isn't even a house back no, here. No, I this is just, just a patio. I just love the patio. All right, so okay. I'm 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 on a mission to understand how others cultivate peace in a noise-filled world. And yeah. I'm wondering if this patio plays any role in where peace might be manufactured for you. For sure it does, yeah. Which is kind of ironic because as we'll probably hear, it's very busy. Yeah. There's a lot of activity, which is kind of how I like it. I like to have my you know, my space, but I want it to be right next to activity yeah you know you're also right next to a lot of other really talented people do people know this i don't problem it's a weird thing yeah like you could drive down this street and like run over a grammy (laughs) it's like weird (laughs) it it would not be mine but you're you're right i know but it's just like proximity creates power i don't know somebody said it but the reality is you have some very talented neighbors no you're right there's something awesome about that in like this nashville scene yeah well, I'm from Indiana, and we, my wife and our kids and I moved down here seven years ago. And a lot of friends back in Indiana will always ask me, like, what's, so why'd you move down there? Is there, like, a tangible thing that you moved down there for? And I'm like, it's, it's tough to really articulate because it's more like what you're describing. It's like, I don't need to be here. I could be anywhere. Yeah. I mean, I just tour and write music, and so... But there's like a community of like, you know, I can walk across the street and play half a song for Dave and get his take on it and get some other take on like all these creative minds that are just within like three blocks. And it, it's this sort of like intangible, really helpful thing in my yeah. life. 
I, as a as a creator on a completely different level, I couldn't create a single note of music, but I'm a yeah. person who likes to write things. Uh -huh. I want to show people what I'm writing early, more often to get someone to tell me that it's good because totally. of my insecurity. Yeah. And I've had to train myself to wait until it's done or closer to done to actually show people. How early do you bring people into your process? I go, I mean, that is like an ongoing battle, right? Because you get, I, I get an idea done and I have like a voice memo on my phone. And if I'm excited about it, I'm just, all I want to do is send it. I want to send it to management. I want to play it for Amy. I want to play it for Dave, for Ben, you know, all, all my artist friends. And I've, I've really tried to learn to like sit with it for a, a couple days because there's probably some bits that I'm going to change. I'm going to feel different about it on Thursday than I did on Tuesday when I wrote it. Yeah. Just kind of refine it a little bit so that I get all of my voice into it before somebody else, you know, puts their voice on it and, or, or their spin or whatever. And the other thing is, you know, there, there are those songs that like, or, you know, bits of writing that, it, you know, like you're gonna put it out no matter what. So don't get bummed out about it. Yeah. You know, uh, don't roll the dice on somebody saying like, I don't know, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like a dagger to the heart. Yeah, I, I, I watched something from Glennon Doyle right around the turn of the year about the word stet, which when you receive notes from an editor, if you say the word stet, it just means I'm gonna leave it as is. And uh -huh. she was talking about the power of leave it as is which is such a strange thing because I think all of us as you know, humans, whether it's super creative or just how we're operating in our every single day, we tend to react to the feedback that we're getting, especially yeah. for people pleasers in a way that might yeah, have us exactly. modulating or accommodating what we think other people want. And there's, especially if you're gonna have anything that makes a difference because of it feeling different from what other people have already said, mm -hmm. you gotta push back and say, no, I'm gonna keep it as it is, yeah. right? Yeah. I agree. I've got this tattoo on my arm. It means a lot to me. A ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships were built for. It's uh -huh. this that's reminder cool. for me that I was built for the choppy waters that live beyond any place that I might be comfortable. Uh -huh. I see you have a tattoo on your arm, yeah. John 1335. What's yeah. John 1335? Uh, it's all will know you're my disciples by how you love one another. So I, I... First off, I've just always wanted tattoos on my forearms. Yep. I mean, since I was like 12 years old. And so I've got that, I've got the cross, I've got Amy. I'm gonna get my girls somewhere over here, their names. Um, and this one in particular, I just always love that verse. I love the character of it. I love everything about it. And, yeah. um, and I play piano and I always roll my sleeves up and this, I'm always, the crowd is always over here. So I wanted to have something. That was, you know, it's not the actual, uh, you know, verse. It's just like, you know, the sighting of it. And I, so I, I didn't want something that was going to be too, like, in your face. But it's there if you want to look it up. Yeah. You know, so. It's great. I, I am interested as the host of a podcast about dadding, Dadville. Yeah. Uh, there's courage that's necessary in being a good dad. There's something that I think connects even to the verse in uh -huh. how you might model love so that they know how to. Mm -hmm. but tell me a little bit about how you've approached parenting and where courage comes into play when it comes to being a good dad. Man, 
I mean, I think the, the greatest thing about having kids in the first place is that it's sort of, for me, it just like instantly kind of like set right all these sort of priorities. Like, um, you know, obviously I'm a believer and having kids just sort of instantly I have this unconditional love. Like I would run in front of a train for these kids like instantly, right? And so you get this real like taste, actual like feeling for how my parents feel about me and how God feels about all of us, which is all, has always just been this concept until you become a parent. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, it's right there, you know, which that to me just kind of set the whole world in this sort of like right, prioritized, I, I feel more at ease to do everything because now all those concepts of what's important and what's not important come so much easier to me like I have a tangible two two little kids running around that just like I mean how scared can I be to put a my next piece of music out now yeah. because like this is what I come home to yeah you know so and I think the trick as a parent is feeling that but then watching them on you know you know, day one, start going through the world and experiencing pain and experiencing rejection and, you know, fear and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's been the trick for me is trying to walk them through it. And it's kind of frustrating because you're like, there's nothing, you, can, you don't need to be afraid of yeah. anything. Yeah. You know? But it's, you know, and one day they'll ho hopefully become parents and they'll, feel it for themselves, and then the cycle will start all over. They'll realize how silly it was to have been right. afraid of the things they were afraid of. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Music for me in what was arguably the best year of my life, but also the hardest year of my life was just such an important thing. I mean, you said yeah. the word Ben, but I mean, I feel like Rector wrote two songs in Sailboat and Peace that played on yeah. my back patio exclusively for my divorce. I may have been uh -huh. the only intended recipient of those songs, but yeah. as a musician, I don't know that you can appreciate the way that the power of the things that you create ultimately affect people, particularly when they're going through something tough. What is it about music? Like, I know what it is for me personally, but as a musician, what is it about music that helps as a salve, that helps connect you to God, that helps you develop some kind of hope in hopeless situations? Yeah. I think it's just like, there's just something divine about it. Yeah. You know? It's like this weird thing where you can kind of break it down. You can break it down and like, there's some math involved. You know what I mean? There's like frequencies and there's like symmetry and all this kind of stuff. But it's this real subjective kind of just emotion filled. You can't explain it. I mean, you hear 
that song Sailboat, which is such a great, such a great song. And, and what's powerful about a song like that is, you know, there are 12 notes. That's all there is. There are 12 notes. <laughs> we're, all, we're all working Beethoven, Chopin, Rector, me. We're all working with the same 12 notes. And so all the songs that have ever been created are all from those 12 notes. And to have someone create, you know, that song, like John Lennon's Imagine, Amazing Grace, out of those 12 notes, it's, it's literally divine. Yeah. It's a miracle, yeah. you know. And you can hear a song that just brings you to tears, and sometimes it has words, sometimes it doesn't, so, and, and you just don't know why. It's just sort of this emotion. It takes our... It gives our brain a, a break, and it's just only your heart. You know, like Dave Barnes and I talk all the time about how a lot of the music that you are, you feel almost most connected to in general comes during your sort of like high school, college years, yeah. you know? Yeah. Where you're, you sort of have this, you're at this axis of like, the most freedom, but the but the least amount of like responsibility and like, you know, you haven't got out into the world yet. You don't have a mortgage. You you know, you're just like the most free and connected. And that's when music tends to. If you did a survey of like a million people, like what's your number one album? I guarantee you, ninety percent of it would be the album that was the most. You two's Joshua Tree because that was when I was going through that thing, that right? same window. Yeah, for sure. Ben folds five whenever, never, amen. It's during that time, you know. Yeah, I don't know. It just it it like music has the power to just bring everybody in any walk of life to this sort of like beautiful emotion place, yeah. vulnerable place. Yeah. yeah. So the world is experiencing so many things in real time. Uh, Afghanistan, uh, earthquake yeah. in Haiti, there's the COVIDness of everything. How do we hold empathy for, connection with, like staying informed around these things, but also maintain some semblance of peace? Mm -hmm. I'm trying to, I'm asking for myself, truly, Man, because I'm, I'm trying to I'm figure it out. <laughs> I mean, the thing that I have tried to do, I've, I've really, all those things that you mentioned are really, those are like weights on my shoulders. At the same time, I mean, I have to fully acknowledge they're not, they're not, I'm not in Afghanistan right now. Right. I'm not in Haiti. You know, I don't have COVID currently, you know, so, so I have to acknowledge how fortunate I've been, but I, I try to start every day. A lot, of, a lot of our days start here on this porch. You know, Amy and I sit here almost every morning. Um, but I think there's something really important uh, and helpful about starting. Like, there's a room right here that we actually painted all black. It's like this dark blue, black. Uh, I start every morning in there doing, like, these stretches and this, like, meditation. And I kind of, like, envision me, my brain, my heart as like, you know, water, if it's like a pool of water. Throughout the day, it's going to get choppy. Who knows what it's, what's going to happen that day, but I at least try to start with it being totally flat, Yeah. you know. And I don't, I don't know how you 
you know, how much is too informed, how much is, you know, uh, too ignorant. What I don't know how we go about dealing with some of these things that are happening yeah. in the world, but I, I just know it's helpful for me to kind of like start out in that place every day yeah. and then go forward, yeah. you know. In this, in this pursuit for peace and this conversation around courage, if there were just a single thing, someone listening today, you know, this is the word I want to give you today to help you either embrace, cultivate the courage that you might need to step closer to who you were created to be, or here's what I would encourage you to do when it comes to manufacturing some peace, finding some stillness. Mm -hmm. What's that single thing you'd throw out to people today? You know, something that lately I've been thinking a lot about um, we actually just did a, a Dadville interview where we talked, we talked a lot about this. Uh, our guest, Mike Donahue, was talking about um, hospice nurses. And there, I think he said there was maybe a book that was put together with a bunch of interviews with hospice nurses. Yeah. And they talked about people on their deathbeds and like, what's the common thread that people talk about on their deathbeds? And um, so I, I've been thinking a lot about lately trying to view any given day through the lens of future me. And oftentimes, like a lot of my anxiety in any given moment, when I look back on it, you know, a year later or a week later, it's just, it's hard to even remember why I was anxious about those things. Yeah. You know, there's something there's something uh, really beautiful and simple about like future selves and hindsight, you know. So I would just say, you know, try to view any given day through your future self, you know, which I think is probably closer to how, you know, God views things. Yeah. You know. It's little. interesting that you bring up the book. I reference it in the book. No way. Yeah. It was written by this hospice nurse, as you say, in, in the the kind of like output of what people had as yeah. their biggest regret yeah. was the worry that they had afforded to other people keeping them from pursuing their dreams. Yeah. They were dying with their dreams still inside. Yeah, yeah. And what, you know, what you're saying, and I think it's beautiful, I do believe it to be the way that God sees us, is if you could consider how you'll feel at the end of your life today, would you have the permission to create more freely or to listen yeah. more intently to that, intuit, that intuitive voice of God knowing that might already exist inside of you that's saying, this is why you're here. Right. Chase this passion. Yeah, trust Even if that it doesn't make sense yeah. to every other person, it, it makes sense to you. You've got to listen to that. Be free in that. And there's mm -hmm. something, I think, just beautiful in that invitation. Yeah. You've got to start by connecting to that future version of yourself. Yeah, for sure. Right on, John. Yeah. Thanks for having me on your patio. This was great. Appreciate it, brother. You're welcome anytime. Thanks, dude.